With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From Underdog Dynasty and SB Nation, this is the Underdog Podcast. Welcome back to the Conference USA Underdog Podcast. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to the 2018 season kicking off, but first went through the time-honored tradition of Conference USA Media Days this past week in Frisco, Texas. Um, back with you, the WKU blogger over at UDD, Joe Londrigan, along with the former Old Dominion kicker punter, Satchel Ziffer. How are you today, sir? Good. How are you, Joe? Not too bad. Um, glad to be back with you. Hope you had a you having a good summer down there in uh, Colorado now. Yeah, it's a little hot, but you know, no pain, no gain. <laughs> exactly. It's it's getting ridiculous all over the country now. It seems because I'm in like Portland, which I feel like isn't famous for having crazy temperatures right now. But I mean, it is in the high 80s, low 90s every day, and you know. <clears throat> My fellow hippies are not adjusting to it very well. Yeah, the trustafarians, man. <laughs> not doing good. Yeah, pretty much. Although, I mean, you're in you're in Boulder. That's kind of the same kind of climate, though, right? Yeah. As far as trustafarians go. Not that crazy. Not more that. just more just trust fund kids. Yeah, yeah, I can kind not, of. See not that. as much the rastafarian aspect, but there are some definitely. <laughs> Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you don't know what a trustafarian is, it's the mix of a trust fund baby that tried to, you know, change his religion to like philosophy and, uh, you know, become a Rastafarian. So. I think Lonely Island did a song about that, right? Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> ja! <laughs> I, yeah. Um, it's weird. I have another Lonely Island reference planned for the show, but um, we'll go ahead and get into that and uh, we'll talk about the show that was Conference USA Media Days. Um, weirdly, there really weren't that many major headlines, if you can even call them that, coming out of this whole event. Um, Satchel, you've been around the league for a little bit longer than I have at this point. Uh, was that weird to kind of see that there really wasn't a lot of buzz generated by this kind of thing? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think you pretty much know what's coming, like what, what what you're coming into when it comes to media day, especially especially for us. I mean, and also just the fact that we don't get as much like media hype as some of the bigger conferences. But I mean, every every uh, every school is going to have like their things, like their position battles and whatnot. But other than that, really, not too much to really be uh, over zealous about or overthinking. Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense a little bit. At this point, I just kind of watch these media days hoping for just something goofy or silly to happen. And, I mean, we, we had a couple, but there really wasn't any, like, groundbreaking revelations. Like like you said, most schools are still kind of figuring out their position battles going into training camp. And at this point, there's really no reason to even, you know, have that figured out if you're not sure, which kind of seems
seems to be the trend with all the schools that were there. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, I will say uh, my f- uh, my favorite part about Florida Atlantic at Media Days was uh, Lane Kiffin actually reminded me a lot of the the Shy Ronnie sketch that Lonely Island did a long time ago. You remember that one? Dude, he's terrible with the media. <laughs> I mean, that's why, he's a, that's why he loves it at FAU. No media. Exactly. I just I thought it was so funny with having the uh, the interviewer in him with him in one particular interview where they would ask him a question. You know, Lane, what do you what do you think about your QB battle going on down there. I don't know. You know, you have DeAndre. Like what? <laughs> that's really that's the best comparison I can kind of come to. But shy, Ronnie. <laughs> Use your outdoor voice. <laughs> the one with uh, Rihanna. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's really kind of what he was up there with um, with Motor and Aziz Al Shair. Um, but FAU mostly seemed pretty confident about their upcoming season. And from what all the other coaches were really saying about them, um, no surprise, they're the team with the target on their back coming into this year. Um, I mean, is, do you think there's any reason they really shouldn't be at this point? I mean, no, they had a good season. They're bringing back a lot of the guys that made their season last year so successful. Um, and it wasn't like their quarterback play was amazing. So mm-hmm. they're not like – they didn't lose a lot and you know their starting quarterback last year wasn't even able to play the whole year so having him back and being able to even run more of a like different offense which is really seems like they'll be really hard to beat right exactly and there really wasn't like They didn't give away who the starting quarterback was going to be for this one. Um, uh, FAU has DeAndre Johnson coming into the quarterback position battle, the former Florida State and former Last Chance U kid. Um, And then they also have the former Oklahoma player, Chris Robeson, coming in there. And um, Lynn Kiffin didn't really give anything away about who's winning that position battle so far. Um, Have you paid any attention to that at all, Satchel? Not really, <laughs> to be honest. Sure. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be uh, Johnson, though, just based on the fact that I think he's more be more of a running threat, and they want something to kind of do a triple threat with a, a little speed ball on the back with them. Yeah, I kind of had the same thought. With the way Johnson seems to play, I feel like him having that second option of running the ball versus throwing the ball. And, I mean, he also has the added benefit of being in the system for a little bit longer. So Yeah, yeah. he knows the offense. Right, right. Even if it is kind of a new uh, offensive coordinator with with Charlie Weiss Jr., um, but I I don't think that much is going to really change. Um, But, yeah, I think we're both on the same page there that uh, DeAndre Johnson, probably the better choice for a quarterback there with Florida Atlantic. Um, Moving on, North Texas. Uh, Seth Luttrell get up there in front of uh, Conference USA media pool. Didn't, you know, usually looked like the kid from Up, like we always say. Um, And I really saw it this time. I thought that was kind of funny. But they didn't really get a ton of questions about the offense. However, there was significant focus on how that defense needs to get better. Um, I almost kind of felt bad for their linebacker, EJ Ajaya, who had to field a lot of questions about, you know, what are you doing to get better? You gave up 35 points a game last year. And it was kind of deserved, but at the same time, that was that was kind of the general gist of their presence in Frisco. I mean, yeah, 
I mean, when you give up that many points, I mean, a lot of the teams in Conference USA give up a decent amount of points each week, but I mean, that's what either kept other teams in games or made them lose. So I think, I mean, when you when you have an offense that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure most of the team is coming, most of the offense is coming back, like starting starters at least, mm-hmm. uh, you just focus on exactly what you can do better on the other side of the ball. So to even out and, you know, not get to the conference championship game and lose by 40, whatever they lost by, I forget. Right, right. No, they they definitely – there was a question that Seth Luttrell got, and I can't remember what his answer was, but it was something along the lines of, is it true that you have to lose a championship in order to figure out how to win a championship? And, I mean, there's, I guess, a little bit of truth to that, but at the same time, I – it's a lot of the same players at FAU, and it's a lot of the same players in North Texas. If they do manage to get back to that title game, it doesn't change the fact that FAU, I think, still has more talent and better offensive coaching prowess at this point. Yeah, they're also an older team, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, like you kind of mentioned, they return most of that offense, save for the running back core, who is largely reliant on uh, Jeffrey Wilson, who's in the NFL now. But um, that's another position battle to kind of keep an eye on. And um, the impression that Latrell kind of gave in the interviews that he did was it's it's mostly going to be kind of a, you know, whatever, whatever guy is healthier uh, when it comes to game day. So hopefully yeah. we'll see something exciting out of that I mean, running back group. They should, like, they have. An experienced defense too, so it, it should be decent. Like they have what? Uh, here, let me count. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight defensive players that are seniors. So, guessing that at least a lot, like a decent amount of them start, and then there's a lot of redshirt juniors that also are on the defensive side. So they should have like an experienced team. It's just a matter of you know if they can put everything together and learn from last year's mistakes and just go for it. You kind of hit the nail on the head. They have the advantage of experience. It just kind of comes down to execution. Um, Teams that don't have a lot of experience, unfortunately, uh, both Rice and uh, UTEP. And both Mike Bloomgren and Dana Dimmel were, you know, addressing the media, doing what coaches usually do at these kind of things. And, you know, I got to say, Mike Bloomgren just, you know, it sounds cheesy, but he kind of radiated, like, hope, I guess you'd call it. You know, as again, I know that sounds cheesy, but like, meanwhile, with Dana Demo, I really just didn't see anything in his comments or his presence that made me optimistic about where UTEP football's headed. And I think that's kind of indicative indicative of where like coaching culture is right now. There's a big youth movement happening. And I think, you know, teams that aren't really embracing it are probably going to get left in the dust. Between those two teams, they went one and twenty-two, I think, right. or one and twenty-three. So, I mean, the only way is up. But at the same time, if you're just, I mean, if you're gonna just kind of play this role of, you know, non-excitement, like you, you rate, if you radiate excitement, the players will be excited. But if you don't, then it's just they're not gonna be excited to play for you, and they're not gonna be ready come game day. I mean, I. I understand. I, you know, you see some of these young coaches. You see the guys like um, can't I can't think of his name. Uh, PJ Fleck and 
uh, the dude that went to uh, <laughs> Nebraska this year from UCF. Oh, uh, Scott Frost, yeah. Scott Frost, those guys, like, they're they're excited and they're with their teams, and you can see that excitement, like, radiating towards the players, and it's kind of infectious in a way. So when you don't have that, I mean, what, what are your players supposed to play for? Because they already know that, you know, they're under huge underdogs for a the sea whole season, basically. And so, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, like when we talked about these hires, I, I wasn't sure if it was the right hire. Um, I'm more confident about the Rice hire than the UTEP hire now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's kind of the general consensus at this point. Bloomgren really seems like he wants to be there. And most of the questions he got at Media Day were, you know, talking about the culture at Rice and how he kind of comes from a similar, you know, academic someplace with similar academic prowess at Stanford and he just his eyes lit up every time they asked him about you know recruiting smart football players and the whole academic standard thing that goes along with playing at Rice and you know I don't know that we're necessarily going to see it um, see results immediately from the Bloomgren era but I think they're going in the right direction for sure Um, I just I just thought of something about Rice and I mm -hmm. you know Rice you can take this from me and if any of you guys are listening you could ease rebrand yourself with the addition of one letter to your name completely rebrand yourself be completely you know the only team in college football to have this kind of name if you just add a B right at the beginning of owls you are no longer the rice owls you are the rice bowls think about it take it in I'm just saying it would be an awesome name the rice bowls I can see it. Yeah. I, I, and they just have like a big piece of like like sushi, like with a bowl. Like I could just see the mascot now. It would be amazing. If they put that on a mini helmet, I would buy it like immediately. The, ri- the rice bowls? Yes. Like with, some, with some chopsticks? Yeah, like, just a bowl of awesome. rice with a little chopstick sticking out just on the side of the helmet. Oh, my God. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Rice, you can have that. I'll give that as a freebie to you. You can have it. It's yours. Take it. Take it and run with it. Um, I will also say about Rice, the line of the weekend, I think, goes to uh, Zach Abercrombie, their defensive tackle, who was available for for questions. Um, He was in an interview, and as he was talking, there was film of him working out with the team on the monitor, and he kind of looks over at himself on the monitor and uh, sees himself, you know, sweating and perspirating, and he's got this big, you know, African-American bald head, and he says, yeah, when my head looked like a a big melty milk dud you know we going hard <laughs> i thought that was pretty uh pretty funny and i that was again the, the funniest thing i probably came away with from that media day um but i was kind of interested to see what um if anything mike sanford the coach of the western kentucky hilltoppers said um and there really wasn't a lot there however he did make uh one comment i thought was kind of interesting um when he was asked about the transfers of his punter jake collins and the center dennis edwards who um elected to grad transfer to northwestern and purdue uh respectively his comment was the timing of that was super unfortunate because they went through spring ball, they played in the spring game, and after they broke for that, 
Sanford and his staff kind of thought they had those positions figured out, and now you know they're still trying to pick it up um, as fall camp is you know nearing you know two or three weeks away. So as kind of a former player and as someone who grad transferred himself, you know, what are your thoughts on you know having that kind of timetable for a grad transfer? I think I think it's just it's irresponsible and it's just screwed up, especially to the coaches, especially when I mean, you know, I I thought I did it the right way, and when I when I did it, I you know I sat down with the coaches, they pitched me why I should stay at ODU for my masters. Obviously, for me, it was mostly about getting the best education, putting myself in the best position, because I knew I wasn't going to go to the NFL or play professionally. I knew I wasn't good enough. Um, but I knew I had the chance to go other places just because of the fact that there were a lot of schools that year that were looking for my position. Um, so I think if you're going to do it, do it earlier. Allow them the chance to recruit or at least even get some preferred walk-ons that will be able to compete and at least give them a fighting chance. That I, I just I think it's selfish in a way, and I think it shows somewhat a lack of character or a lack of judgment. I don't really understand it. Maybe they're, and you never know because, you know, people have problems that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to speak on their behalf because there might have been things in the background that we don't know about. But I would say just moving forward, then I think grad transfer should, and coaches from other teams should also be very cognizant of the fact that these kids, you know, look like they're about to make a commitment for their final season and they, sh- they should at least honor that in a, in a way. I guess. I don't know. I, I, I can't really speak on it. All I know is that I thought I did it the right way. I did it right after our, our last game of the season just to, you know, allow them to have the time to go out and you know, in this case, they got Bailey Kate. So, mm-hmm. uh, gave them the chance to do all that. So. Right. I kind of agree with you just in that it gives coaches so much more time to kind of figure out what they're going to do for that particular position. Like, yeah. um, with that Western Kentucky uh, center job, um, Dennis Edwards got a lot of snaps in spring practice that could have gone to Seth yeah, Jones. To the, yeah. yeah, exactly. To the next guy on that death chart, and then they're going to be a little bit more prepared for the season since those guys are obviously um, going into the year with a better chance of seeing significant time on the field. So yeah. it's, I agree with you. It's it's an unfortunate situation, and um, you know, if you're going to tra- grad transfer, great, but you know, try to out of just respect for your former team. I guess maybe try to do it a little earlier. I don't know. Um, like you said, there's always circumstances that we don't. Yeah, know about, I would. But. I would never. I would never talk on it because you know I felt the same way, and people talked about why I did it, or then you know at the end of the day, like no one knows except for that player and his family why exactly they made that decision. So I respect it. It's their decision. If they see their, if they see greener grass, then go for it. But just if any if any players right now know, dude. Don't always look at it as the grass is always greener on the other side because sometimes it's not. In hindsight, mm-hmm. a good thing is a good thing. Why change it? So, sure. Um, any other media day storylines that kind of piqued your interest, or um, you know, interviews, anything coaches said? Not really. I, tell you, I think we kind of hit on everything that was um, at least of interest. 
to everyone as a whole. Yeah, there there wasn't too much, um, and we talked about it all before. There's they're not going to give away position battles just yet. Um, no. We got a few funny quotes, but you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of all you can really hope for from a, from a media day, unless you're the Sun Belt and you bring a you know you introduce the new trophy, which is like a pro wrestling belt, which is awesome. <laughs> Did you see my tweet today about that? No. What did you say? Oh, here. Let me find it really quick. Because it's a, it's a doozy. I, I thought more people were going to be offended by it, but no one saw it, I don't think. Yeah. But I said... <laughs> And this was just a joke. I didn't actually mean it in any way, in any negative connotation. Mm. It, it was just more funny than anything. Uh, what better way to state we are the best team in the worst conference in FBS football? <laughs> <laughs> By a little plastic belt. It looks great. By the way, did you see? Oh, it's a cool belt. Yeah, I, I like it. So, did you see the? Because um, I think it was R slash CFB uh, tweeted a picture of. I believe it's the guy who runs that account with himself in the belt and I I need to DM it to you real quick because it's exactly what I always hoped the guy that runs that account would look like um but you know before we get too deep in it I feel like it's just some let me let me I'm gonna guess what he looks like okay he's gonna be mid mid 40s I would say probably Uh, bald head completely bald like like very bald is he bald? No, he's not. Oh, he's not. I expect him to be bald with glasses. I, I actually just expected him to look a lot like a, like just like um Scott Van Pelt kinda. I think. <laughs> uh, no. I don't know here, here, check your check your Twitter DMs real quick. You need to follow my other account because I have no clue. Okay, yeah. Oh, it's a small belt too. Right. Like Guy Fury's brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. He looks like if uh, if Guy Fieri had like a dark haired brother. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but now that we've kind of covered media days, um, part of what happened with that whole event was the official media poll got released for CUSA. Um, yeah. So the official results of what they think is going to happen in the league uh fau almost unanimous pick to win the east uh they got 22 votes marshall got four they were picked to finish second uh followed by middle tennessee fiu western old dominion and charlotte with uh north texas being picked to win the west followed by louisiana tech uab Southern Miss, UTSA, and uh, Rice and UTEP picked to finish uh, last in that division. Um, so, comparing that to what you thought, how close is it? Not close at all, really. Okay. I wouldn't say. Um, let me just look at the actual media again just to see it. Actually, it's not too bad off. It's like, obviously this one glaring difference but other than that it's pretty much the same so the only difference i have and this is people are going to probably be like oh, he's biased but i think ODU is going to actually tie for the first tie for first in the conference with fau mm-hmm. believe it or not and i don't i don't understand this whole idea that odu is just down for the count now um we have yeah. the most experienced team in the conference 
one of probably one of the most experienced teams in the country when it comes to the amount of play games played and plays played. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have let me let me count. This is my recruiting class actually. It's seniors now. So two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-two seniors. That's the most seniors we've ever had in a class ever. I'm I'm just saying my my senior class was eight. The year after that was like 12. Yeah. Last year was like 15 or 14. So, you know, for for teams, I know we're young, but this is this is the first full Division One FBS recruiting class mm-hmm. that's graduating. This is it, and you know, this is a make or break year. I think we have all of the components. I think we pretty much return like I would say about 93, 95 percent of our starters. I, I, I really think we only lost about it, like really big starter was Ray Lowry, obviously. But yeah. other than that, we really don't lose anything. We have a young quarterback, but with a year under his belt now, and with you know getting to really understand the offense better, and not being just thrown in against Virginia Tech in his first game, mm-hmm. he, I think this. I think a lot of things are going to change, and I think no one looks at it that way. No one's seeing it, just like they didn't see it two years ago when we went ten and three. And I, I think, I think we have a. I think I don't know why, but I think we, or I don't know why people, the media doesn't see us even having a chance. But I think we're going to actually win the league. To be honest, in all honesty, win, how I feel. Win the league or, or win the East? I think we're going to win the league. I don't think anyone beats us. Okay. You know, I'll agree with you in that I think people are giving Old Dominion not enough credit with the amount of talent that they had coming back. And, you know, upon looking at my ballot that I submitted, um, you know, I I would probably put Old Dominion above Western, at least, uh, just because I have a little more, I guess, faith in what the Monarchs are bringing back in terms of talent with how Stevie Williams has progressed. Um, that defensive line is still really impressive. Um, and, you know, I think they'll get it together, but, you know. Um, I mean, just think about this. Let me let me just, let me just, because this is the one part that everyone's going to argue with me about. So I'd rather just get my points out now before anyone says anything. Okay. This is why I truly believe it. I'm just going to go through the positions and tell you, all of our starters come back. Wide receiver, every single starter coming back. Then you have John du- Johnny Duhart coming back, who was supposed to be all-conference last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he, he's an all-conference. He's an NFL-type wide receiver. He's six foot three. He, huge body. He's super athletic. He's going to be a force. To, he's going to make it a lot easier for Stevie Williams. Plus, we have all of our other wide receivers coming back. You have... Our tight end, our tight ends are getting older and they're getting more wise. I I don't know how he really they, we really use him in our offense still. It's kind of just like more of like a fullback type thing. All of our sa- our safeties, our two safeties are coming back. We have Sean Carter and Justice Davila coming back, and Justin Noy, who's another senior who was play, played a good amount for us when the other guys were hurt. Um, you have running backs Jeremy Cox and Jamonte Jackson and Brandon Simmons all coming back. They all played significant roles last year and say so, so same with Keyshawn Strong um, you have three quarterbacks that have actually played 
league now in Stephen Williams, uh, Blake LaRussa, and Dre Arnold. They have all played. And then you have Isaiah Spencer, who's six foot five, two hundred five pounds, coming as a freshman. That'll get a lot of experience, at least practicing and going forward. That'll be nice. You have basically our whole offensive line is coming back. Our starting offensive line is fully coming back, other than one person, and the other person got a lot of reps, anyways. I think that was at right tackle or left tackle was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our linebackers are older and stronger and better now, and they're gonna they're gonna be way better, more improved now because that was one of our weak points of last season. Um, the whole our D line, like you said, is coming fully coming back, and all of our corners, other than one, is pretty much coming back in our safe. So our safety, our whole secondary is gonna be more experienced. Our whole defense is just gonna be better in general, and obviously we have one of the best special teams units, at least on the return side of the ball, where we can really fight for fight for position and our our kicker and punter are both you know older now and better so I I, I don't see where you see it and go uh, you know they really lost something or you know they, they're not that good because they're that's a good team in my opinion like if you've seen them and you've, you've seen them play and saw them when they were freshmen to now that where they are now they can they can make a big difference and I think they will so yeah you know I, I think time will tell but I think you make some good points about that level of talent that's coming back so yeah. we'll see um, but uh, your ballot was really similar to what the media poll was, with the exception of Old Dominion being on top there. Um, yeah. And then mine was I had FIU finishing above middle, and then um, everything else was That's the same. Good. I had Western above Old Dominion and then Charlotte on the bottom. Um, but in the West, here's where we both differ from the media poll you and i both had uab taking the west um now you know why don't you give me your reasoning for that first and then i can give mine no i just don't like north texas <laughs> this we all know <laughs> yes no it's not actually like actual hate i just like trolling them sure. um no i actually i just think what uab did last year and then most of those guys that were with the team as freshmen and finally finishing out their year i think just the momentum going into this season and just actually having played a season now for a lot of those young guys mm-hmm. i i think they they can do do pretty big things and especially with like you know they've had all these facility upgrades lately like they got that new indoor that's really nice and i just i just think the to see that the school is actually like supporting them now and the state is supporting them instead of just doing what they were doing that got them eventually closed down for political reasons i guess within the state not political but like you know what i mean like university politics yeah yeah workplace Um, politics yeah um so yeah i just i truly believe that they're all uh they just i think a lot of things are going their way and even though i think uh north texas can is a good team i I still i i still just don't see that defense being able to do um you know i just i i don't think the talent's completely there i think they're going to be experienced and i think they're going to come away with some big wins because the defense is able to do some things they didn't weren't able to do last year but i still think uh i think uab you know scrapes by in their matchup and then wins the conference 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of have kind of the same reasoning. On North Texas side, I think Mason Fine's great. Um, I think they have a couple good receivers. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of the same guys returning along that offensive line that was just not very good last year. Um, they don't have the kind of star caliber that Jeffrey Wilson was in the backfield. And we talked about the defense. They're returning a lot of guys. But again, those guys that are returning just – aren't that good um and you know, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I mean they're, they're good. They're to good. To be FBS, you have to be pretty good. Well, I'm I, just saying, like, with the high-powered offenses and the different types of offenses you're going to see in Conference USA, it, it, a week to prepare, like, for, they're so just different, each offense. And I just don't think – I think, like, athletically ways, they're, they're a very good team. Um, I just don't think uh, mindset-wise, like, you know, prep, preparation-wise, it's fully there. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, I could do it better because I can't, obviously. But I'm just saying, based on what I've seen them turn in in terms of a product on the field, I don't think that is better than the offense of some of the teams that they're going to face this year. Exactly. Okay. That's what I was just trying to say. The, the, the gap is just too large, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think bottom line, I think UAB is going to come back a year stronger, a year wiser. Uh, I think Spencer Brown, if you know, if he gets the kind of blocking that he did last year, I think he's going to have another great year. I think AJ Early is going to progress a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be another big year for the Blazers, and we'll probably see them in the championship game. But you know, I guess so do you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be that would certainly be interesting. I personally think it's going to be FAU, but if hey, if Old Dominion actually makes the uh, Conference USA Championship game, um, then you know I'm sure we can make a bet at a later date for that, <laughs> like we did last year. Um, so that's kind of our take on that CUSA media poll and where we think these teams are going to end up. Um, but in terms of specific win totals, um, we have the Conference USA over-unders in front of us here, um, and we'll just kind of run down through them and see if we think that team is going to you know, take the over or take the under for their projected win total. Um, so FAU projected win total is 9 for 2018. You taking the over the under there satchel i'm just taking the even yeah yeah i think that's a pretty i think that's a pretty good assessment i don't think they are going to beat oklahoma necessarily i think they drop you know a couple other games in there so you know it's a it's 12 games right yeah 12 games i think they lose oklahoma ucf and then odu Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know about that last one, but I think they'll drop one more game uh, on top of um, UCF and, and Oklahoma, but we'll see. Um, God, that UCF game is going to be great. Cannot wait for that. Um, what about North Texas at eight? I think under. Okay. I think they win seven. Yeah, that was kind of my thought process, too. Um, and, I mean, we just spent however many minutes talking about why we don't think they will uh, get back on top of the West this year. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. Uh, Marshall at seven and a half. I'm going to say even. I think they win seven and a half games. <laughs> no, um, I would say over, actually. I think they're going to win eight. I do too. I, you know, I think with just how much they return, that offensive line is just so good. I, at, at a certain point, I don't think it matters that much that Chase Litton's gone. Um, they have a good uh, transfer quarterback coming in from, I believe it's Wagner. Um, 
So I think they have the tools there, definitely, to kind of do what they did last year on top of having a lot of the guys on that defense back. So, um, And we have some people who even picked Marshall to win CUSA East. So I think yeah. the herd in store for another big year. I think it's interesting. I think what you're going to see is the very top-heavy East again mm-hmm. with a weak end. And then uh, West Division that's just going to have like six teams that are just like – Week to week, you never know if they're going to, you know, either be bowl eligible or win the conference. It's like it's going to be a very weird season, I think, for the West. It's a toss-up for that part of the league. Yeah, but they're all going to be, like, like, like I'm decent, except for, like, the bottom two. Like, they're all going to have, like, six wins, seven wins, because they're all just going to beat up on each other one week. Like, it's you're never going to know who's going to win each week. It's going to be a random, I think, in my opinion, at least. So... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch because, like you said, there's not really a clear cut uh, like racehorse in that West, but we'll see. Um, Louisiana Tech at seven. What do you think? I think that's about right. Taking the even on that one? Seven. Yeah, I would, just, I would say the seven's about right for them. Okay. I think they're going to win six. Um, I think they're an okay team. I think Jamar Smith is going to have a pretty good year. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment um, just coming back from, uh, you know, what they did last year. But I think they could basically just repeat what they did last year. They have an okay year. They get to a bowl game. They probably win the bowl game, and, you know, everybody's yeah. happy in, in Texter land. Um, Middle Tennessee at seven. You skipped UAB, dude. You're right, I did. UAB at seven and a half. What do you think? I think way over. Way over? I think UAB wins 10 games this year. Okay. I was going to go somewhere in the nine range, but, you know, I've taken the over as well. Like we talked about, I think they have a really decent shot to win the West. So. I think I think they upset Tulane early their uh, third week of the season, and then they lose. They drop one within conference, and then they drop the Texas A&M game late November. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because their their conf- their their schedule isn't hard. I mean, they play UTEP and Rice. Uh, yeah, they, it's not like a terribly hard schedule. The end of their schedule is a lot harder than the beginning of their schedule, for sure. Yeah. Like those last four games are definitely like UTSA, East Southern Miss, Texas A&M, Middle Tennessee State. That's definitely a rough, rough go. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough little stretch. Um, but, I mean, if they can come out on top, then I really don't yeah. see how they don't win the West. Um, yeah, exactly. And then now Middle Tennessee at seven. What do you think? I think that's about right for them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I think I'm going to... I think I'm going to take the under actually and just say they get six. You know, I think, six. huh? Six. six. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, Brent stock still, if he can stay healthy, which I don't know how realistic that is. Um, but I mean, they have some talented guys. I think they'll become bowl eligible again, but you know, there's just not, there's nothing really about that team that really wows me. I think they're just, as far as this league is concerned, they're just average. Um, and then Southern Miss at six and a half. I think below. 
Okay. Um, yeah, taking the under. I think it's six or five. Yeah, I think they're another six and six team. Um, you know, depending on what happens with that quarterback battle, there's just a, so much to replace on that offense, um, which yeah. was, you know, how they got to where they were last year. But um, again, you know, time will tell. But yeah, definitely. Uh, Old Dominion five and a half. I think we're both taking the over on this. Over. Yeah. yeah. I think so. ODU and I. I know they scheduled these a couple years ago, but when you <laughs> their their hardest their hardest thing is they're going to be Virginia Tech, East Carolina, then FAU, then Marshall all in a row. Mm-hmm. That's just you know if you can get out of that VTech game, if you can if ECU is just what they've been, which is just god awful, then you can probably win that. But you're not going to win the VTech game, obviously, yeah. because VTech's a top ten team probably this year. Um, then you just have FAU and Marshall, and you just gotta, you know, you just gotta grind for those. I would assume, I would hope they'd, you know, and I assume they they scheduled that, thinking that Marshall was gonna be their toughest opponent, give FAU have it like an easier FAU game before that, but then and FAU just got amazing, so now it's just like that stretch, man. It, it's a really hard middle of the ground, middle of the road stretch for them. So, yeah, it definitely kind of seems that way. But I think, like we talked about, people aren't really giving that team enough credit. I think they will, at the very least, be bowl eligible once again. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to Florida International. Uh, the over under there, five games. What do you think? I think over. I think they go bowl eligible again. I think they do too. I think they have a pretty decent shot to win that Indiana game. I'm not going to say they no. win, but I think I think no. I, I think that'll be closer than what people Wrong. think it is. Okay. Wrong. Okay. Wrong. Okay. Um, Wrong. But, <laughs> can I talk now? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Wrong. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> This is, this is like being home with my dad all over again. <laughs> um, hi, Dad. But uh, moving on, UTSA at five. Um, I think I'm going to take the even on that one, actually. I think even's about right for that. I think they have some part, some pieces coming back, and they had a decent season last year. I just, I don't know. Just yeah. don't know, man. For me, it's the fact that they have so many new coaches. I mean, sure, yeah. they, they kind of put them in with a reasonable amount of time, but when there's just that much turnover, it's going to be, you know, you just don't kind of develop that kind of chemistry that Frank Wilson had with his other staff overnight. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. more or less what they're doing here with one spring and – a fall camp to kind of get ready to replicate the success that they had not last year but the year before that yeah plus you don't have like one of the top five defensive linemen in the country anymore. that's very true you don't have a first round pick on your team anymore <laughs> yeah so um western at four and a half uh i'd say five yeah, I think that's – I'm going to take the over on that as well. I think that's not giving them enough credit. I don't necessarily think they're going to really blow the roof off the conference or anything, but I think there's definitely some winnable games on that schedule for them, and I think there's still some pretty decent talent on that team, um, particularly in the wide receiver group and in the defensive backs. Um, so it, it just kind of depends on uh, whoever they end up going with as the long-term starter if they – they can 
fit in because that quarterback room is jam-packed right now. So we'll see. Charlotte at three and a half. Under. Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of hope for that team. Um, I think they'll win this F, uh, against this FCS opponent in week Fordham. one. Yeah, I think they'll beat Fordham. I, other than that, you know. UMass. Yeah, I think they can beat UMass, but I don't think they'll win a league game this year. No, I don't think so either. Okay. Um, how they respond to that App State game is going to be interesting. But, again, I think App State's a far superior team, and they won't win. But yeah, it'll be, good. It'll be an interesting test. And I, we, we've talked about it before, but Brad Lambert absolutely needs to go. Um, and then Rice at three. Let me check their schedule real quick. I'm trying to I know, I know the team I just don't know Review Win uh, Avani is actually A pretty decent team This year it Seems like they'll be Pretty good actually Yeah And if they're flying To Hawaii Which I think they are No they're not Never mind Oh no I think they I think they are Going to Hawaii I'm on the I'm, uh, the, I'm on the Rice I'm yeah, on Rice's uh, site Right now Okay Yeah I think they Definitely lose to Hawaii And I don't think They win any other Of their games really Other than UTEP So one I think one you don't think they'll maybe be two. you don't think they'll be Prairie View? Oh yeah, yeah, maybe maybe three. Yeah, so I'm, I'm saying two, three because depending on how good UTSA is. Okay, I'm gonna take the even there. I think they beat Prairie View. I think they beat UTEP, and then I think they're gonna squeak out one just random game. Uh, you know. It probably maybe not Hawaii because of that travel, but I think Southern Miss is going to be struggling a little bit at the beginning. It, it, if it's going to be that one, um, and like you said, UTSA, we there's a lot of question marks there. So um, I think they'll take either the Southern Miss or the UTSA game along with uh, well, they UTEP. Might take that, they might take that November seventeenth game. Against LSU in Baton Rouge? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Stranger yes, things have happened. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you see today? I think it was uh, Troy, since they beat LSU, that was like the cover of their media guide this year, I believe. Really? Yeah. I would do it too. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. You know, build your brand, capitalize yeah. on the giant, uh, the giant win for your program there. Yeah, and you um, paid hell of money to go over there and play them. Yeah, exactly. You get a payday and a win. That's such a huge thing for FBA, uh, G5 teams, I should say. That's awesome. Yeah. But, um, and then the last one, UTEP at two and a half. What do you think? Look at their schedule now. <laughs> what games do they have a realistic chance of winning? Northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure New Mexico State was better this year, too. They're okay, from what I remember. I th- believe they. Pretty sure they made a bowl game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did too. Um, I would UNLV. They're gonna lose too. Right. Because even though UNLV isn't like a good team, they, they were third in the West last year. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm trying to give them the BOTD of it, yeah. but I don't see them winning more than 
one if they can win that one game against Northern Arizona. I want to say they beat Tennessee just because I hate Tennessee, but <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think maybe they scrape out the first one. I kind of had the it. same thought. Yeah, um, they're actually not favored to win that game right now, which is a little embarrassing. But I think they'll be able to scrape out that opening week matchup against Northern Arizona, the FCS team coming into town. Um, but you know, like we kind of talked about, there's just nothing really with this UTEP team that I find particularly like enticing. Their big addition this past year was a fullback. You know yeah, what I mean. Next year, they need to just go after a bunch of JUCO guys and just, you know, try and bring some type of culture to the program. Yeah. Or just shut down the program, to be honest. I mean, if you go 0-12 two years in a, in a row after going, like, 1-11, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, hopefully, they, that doesn't happen, but... No, no, I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying. Well, sure. I mean, at some point, a school has to cut its losses, I think. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens if they can manage to scrape out um, multiple wins this year. Um, and maybe it's like you said, it's part of the solution is utilizing Dimmel's contacts within the JUCO system in Texas there. Yeah, no, not even just in Texas. Just Dude, just get a bunch of guys that are at least have some experience. Like, try and get all those bounce packs possible and just at least give yourself the chance to, A, educate the younger guys and get get some type of like you know tradition or culture going within the program that you know they feel once once a team feels wins and they start understanding like what they have to do in order to win mm-hmm. it'll happen because they'll just it'll just become the norm to you know do that do the extra stuff you know yeah exactly it's part of uh parting of building a culture and building a brand and right now utep just doesn't have that yeah and i want to see them have that i mean of course so you 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 hope for it but you just you just don't see a grim outlook i think they like we both said they should have gone with someone younger maybe the kid uh Maybe the kid from Texas Tech or whatever. Um, Graham Harrell, yes. Yeah, Graham Harrell. Someone really young just to kind of entice, like, even just the fan base, man. Just, I don't know. Yeah, that program just really needed some sort of shot of adrenaline, and they did not get it. But, you know, I mean, hey, if Dimmel can somehow produce results on the field, then all will be forgiven. But as of right now. I wonder if he's a coach's coach or a player's coach because that makes a huge difference too because I'm pretty sure their last guy was not at all yeah um, Scott Kluger but you know I think there's got to be at least some element Sean Kluger Sean Kluger right um, I think there's well I mean, you know that, that shows how memorable of a coach he was yeah. if you can't remember his name but um, I think there's at least some element of that with Dimmel like there's got to be a reason that not just his son but a couple other people followed him into El Paso from Kent State or yeah, yeah. Kansas State I should say in terms of players yeah yeah it'll be interesting I don't know 
Yeah. You never know. I mean, and Kansas State has been super successful with recruiting the JUCO guys, and they, I mean, they always were really good at it. So mm-hmm. you think you, you got to think that he's going to go that route next year. I think it was a problem for him not to go earlier and start the recruiting process earlier for this upcoming season. But yeah. you know, I know everyone has their own ways. You know. Yeah. And um, like we've said this whole show, we will see. Uh, it all comes down to what happens in the field, and that is rapidly approaching. Um, before we get off of your radio here, Satchel, do you have anything else you wanted to uh, get off your chest? Um, not really. I'm actually pretty at peace today. That's good. good. Yeah. Good. I hope Florida does well. Cyrus is, Cyrus is, Cyrus is talking a lot of smack about UF this year. <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you want him to do? He's a he's a Florida guy who who's not a UF guy. Like that's just kind of how you roll with the in-state rivalries. Well, you know, I understand that he's just jealous of the academic prowess that is UF, <laughs> and you know, the greatness of all of the sports programs at UF, but. I just, you know, just give us, give him, a, give Dan Mullen a chance. Won two national championships. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and he also produced some of the best and most notorious players in the NFL history. Ah, <laughs> uh, all this. He had a, he had a murder, a priest. <laughs> he had uh, <laughs> a cocaine dealer or whatever. Like there was. Get everything on that team, man. That's the beginning of a great walk into a bar joke. A murder, a priest, no. and a cocaine dealer walk into a bar. <laughs> no, they're gonna. They have to make a sixty for sixty or uh, one of those uh, thirty for thirties or whatever they're called on uh, that Florida team because that team must have been so interesting to deal with. I mean, oh for sure. Having Aaron Hernandez, Tim Tebow, like Mike and Marquise Pouncey, uh, Janoris Jenkins, like all those guys on the same team. Oof. Oh my God, it must have been awful. <laughs> That's a lot happening on one sideline for sure. Yeah, man, Irvin Meyer, like there, he he was he's such a crooked coach, man. <laughs> Great coach, but so crooked. No, there's a there's a lot. Him and Jimbo Fisher, man. Jimbo, be prepared at Texas to see like some things coming about out about some of the players that he recruits at Texas A&M this year or in the following years. I just think I just think if you recruit shady, you're gonna get shady guys, and that sucks the character wise. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's college football. You know, there's always some shadiness happening, but yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Good thing we can just ignore it and talk about guys whose heads look like milk duds. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Pretty interesting much. Interesting year. Interesting year. It, ODU is going to have like 45 kick return and punt return touchdowns this year. So our offense will not have to be on the field much. Just so we know. That would be awesome if they can pull that off. Or, so, or something close to that. Just any team to have more production out of their special teams unit than an offense. I, as weird well, we as that. Have, we have the two top guys. Top punter, returner, and kicker, returner. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, uh, that could be an interesting unit to watch, like we kind of mentioned. But um, I think we've at this point, we've kind of hit all the things that we wanted to hit. Um, so we'll go ahead and tell you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, follow Underdog Dynasty on Twitter and Facebook, um, check out the site every day, going to have plenty of content previewing the G5 season for you all to read and laugh at, comment on, however you uh, like to react to the things we say. Um, but we'll go ahead and leave you now and uh, catch up with you later as we get closer to the season. Uh, happy football watching, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your summer.